Jesus name amen greetings in the name of Jesus it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord amen two things before we start preaching the word one we have on Tuesday this coming Tuesday we have a micro cell can you tell your neighbor we have a micro cell so all of our churches are going to meet if you could reduce the treble all of our churches are going to meet and mute all the other mics all the churches are going to meet and they will be here and we'll get a, uh, we'll do our first session and then we'll get the transmission as well as we join up with all G12 churches in South Africa and across the continent amen and uh, the second part we this week is a week of the Easter weekend and uh, on Friday is an Easter Friday praise the Lord so we have a service here in church I think it will be on the announcement our service will start at 9 o'clock in the morning and it will end up half past 10 that is on Friday then Sunday we have all of our morning services however we will not have an evening service that is Easter Sunday is that fine so, but tonight we have an evening service. Can you tell your neighbor, tonight we have an evening service. Bless you. Amen. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this privilege to sit once more on the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. We receive your word with thanksgiving. We are delighted and happy to receive your word. Father, you said, I sent my word and I healed them and I delivered them from destruction. Father, we thank you even today for this liberty, for your word says, Father, where the spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is liberty. We receive this freedom that Christ has brought to us. We thank you, Father, for the power over sin and the power over the power and the spirit of darkness. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. We are going to share together. We are teaching on family. And for all of our visitors, we say welcome to Emmanuel Christian Church, the house of Judah. Okay, we were teaching last week on marriage, and uh, we focused on uh, it is not good for a man to be alone. Can you tell your neighbor, it's not good for a man to be alone? So a mini revision, one, uh, four things. One, we said marriage was God's decision, not man. In other words, Adam didn't develop some feelings and emotions and saw a girl and said, oh, I love this girl. It is God who made the decision that it's not good for a man to be alone. And Adam did not think or had a desire for marriage. It is God who saw the necessity. Number two, in other words, we are saying uh, there is a time when it is necessary for one to marry. Number two, God formed the woman, that is Eve, for the man, that is Adam. God accepted that responsibility. In other words, for you to marry, it still remains God's responsibility to meet that need. Unfortunately, today, most of us are going out of our way to who draw, pay, to make other, other people to pay attention to us. And tomorrow, when things don't work, we are shocked that uh, our schemes hasn't worked. So it is, it, God is supposed to be in the center of the preparation for marriage and for marriage God accepted that responsibility let God be the one who finds a wife or a husband for you in Jesus name 
God brought Eve to Adam. Number three, what we spoke about last week, it says, God brought Eve to Adam. Adam did not need to wander around looking for Eve. Like sometimes it happens, people come around and they size women and sisters who will be the best. I remember somebody was saying, I'm looking for an educated woman and all of that. That might not be for you. Life is not good by us making it good. Life is good by allowing God to lead us so that we can enjoy it. Hallelujah. A young woman said, I don't want a liability. He was looking at all the brothers in the church. And so he looked at the one that looked like they work good jobs and they have sustainability and longevity in their job. Unfortunately, life doesn't happen that way. It is only God who, it's not like a slot machine. You know, you look around and so, so and so is educated, so and so has money. But if you allow God to lead you, you will do very well. That's why I always say, if you take some of us, our pictures, you will realize, uh, you look at us, you look at Sebabu, you think, oh, this guy looks nice. <laughs> he has been fixed. So don't be deceived. Am I talking to somebody? Can you tell your neighbor, don't be deceived. Yeah. Uh, allow God to work in your life. Uh, number four, God established the terms of the relationship, of their relationship. And these were the terms. The purpose of their relationship was unity. The two shall become one flesh. Today we continue and we are teaching on choosing a partner and, uh, and marriage. Choosing a partner and marriage. Now the challenge I want to give to you is that I have so much notes, so you must listen with both of your ears. In other words, you must listen attentively because uh, I have quite a lot to cover. So uh, I might sound to be uh, rushing, but that's not the intent. Praise the Lord. Okay, the subject for today is marriage, choosing a partner, a life, a life partner, a spouse, and marriage. Now, getting into courtship and marriage. Okay, two scriptures. Uh, one, number one, we are dependent upon the Lord for the choice of the spouse. Can you tell your neighbor, we are dependent on the Lord for the choice of the spouse. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't develop some ideas. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22 says, he who, who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. We cannot simply trust our judgment. You cannot say, I'm going to do this thing because the Bible says, uh, we should trust God's favor. God is the one that chooses for us. God will help us to find a good spouse. I've used this example that by the time when I left Pretoria going for higher learning uh, at the institution in the Northwest, I, I already in my mind had an idea what kind of a girl I'm going to marry. And I was shocked I didn't marry that girl. And possibly uh, have I stayed with my decision uh, even though I haven't said anything to that girl or shown emotion to it, but it was a calculated move. I looked at it and I said, it would be very nice uh, to marry this girl. She looked nice, nice body, very intelligent, a very exciting girl, but uh, it was not supposed to be. And I look at it today and I said, I think my life will have been derailed. This why I say you can, uh, when God chooses for you, he chooses the best. Hallelujah. Number two, the second scripture we need God's help and favor 
to choose the right spouse proverbs 19 verse 4 uh, sorry proverbs 19 verse 14 the bible says and houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers this is very important houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers amen you must inherit from your father in jesus name but listen to what the lord says it says but a prudent wife is from the lord listen if you don't marry a prudent wife you will struggle in life let's look at the word prudent prudent a woman of intelligence practical wisdom the woman in whom things can be committed and she can do them with responsibility it is a blessing to be married to a prudent wife it will be foolish for a man who's married to a prudent wife not to consult when making serious decisions it is wise to always invite the counsel of your wife so this unfortunately some people will make the decision by themselves when you are when you are married it's always wise to consult your wife specifically to help you in the garden. It's not that the final decision lies with them but they have some deep uh, 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 wisdom hallelujah two kinds of guidance when you are choosing a partner uh, or the counsel that come from the Lord we have got one the general uh, uh, guidance that applies when you talk about general guidance we are talking about the things that the scripture says most people choose not to listen to the scripture and they use humanistic views stay with your humanistic views you will pay handsomely for it then there is another wisdom or counsel or guidance that God gives which is a special counsel which might be an exception to the general rule uh, so we say this counsels it is based on principles of the word special guidance God gives it to the believer under special circumstances general guidance come from the scriptures so today we are going to look at the scriptures the only uh, quality for special uh, uh, guidance is when we we have followed the general counsel and then the scriptures give us additional uh, uh, wisdom for us to take that so god's word provides light for both our feet and our path psalm 119 verse 105 it says your word is a lamp to my feet a light to my path so whatever counsel guidance you need in business a school and here specifically to find a life partner to find a spouse somebody to marry the guidance must come from the scriptures don't insinuate and attack and, and force yourself and say this is the scripture uh, this is how i feel it has got nothing marriage has got nothing to do with feelings can you tell your neighbor marriage has got nothing to do with feelings there is attraction yes there is attraction but it has got nothing to do with feelings and it has got nothing to do with attraction because most of us can be attracted you can be attracted even though you are married you can be attracted so if if it's the attraction and it's the feeling you are in trouble because your feelings this is why the bible says the heart is corrupt you cannot trust your heart the heart is deceitful your heart your heart my heart is deceitful the bible says you know guard your heart with what 
with all diligence for out of it comes what issues of life so when your heart is not guarded you will find yourself moving from one place to the other being tormented by the feelings and the bad choices you consistently make because you listen to feelings and emotions okay let's continue if we ignore the guidance of the word of god about marriage we have no right to expect god to guide us did you hear what i said if we ignore the general guidance what the scripture tells us and we go our way you look at the guy and the guy looks handsome you look at the girl says a baby she looks like a baby everybody listen it's a tv thing what you see on tv is not real is, is, is that fine? Because you look at the television, unfortunately it was, it was a film. These people are not married. Does it make sense? They might act for life, like soapies. A soapie, some soapies have been running for 30, 40, 50 years almost. So when you look at it, you are deceived to believe that this is a real life. It's not. So the general guidance comes from the word of God. We must take the word of God in relation to marriage. We must apply the general guidance on the choice of a helper or a spouse or a partner we choose. Now let's get into it. Choosing a partner. The Bible is very clear on this part. Number one, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. Number one, it says here, choosing a partner, a believer has no right to marry an unbeliever. Can you tell your neighbor? A believer has no right to marry a non-believer. Yes. The kind of marriage, that kind of marriage is outside God's, the will of God. I know most of us, I, I know few people who married and their wife got born again their husband got born again but it's an exception to the general rule it is what? an exception so you have to understand anybody marrying an unbeliever is out of God's guidance of scripture and works in, in rebellion to the word of God so when, when I decide I'm going to get married fine you'll get married but you are marrying out of the guidance and the direction of scripture and therefore you might not necessarily be under the cover of God. I always say some of us we win our partners, our spouse to say come to church, lift up your hand and then this is it. That is not they, they get born again intellectually. is an act of mind not the act of the heart. I'm going to to somebody. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. Do not, do not be unequally yoked together with a non-believer. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? That scripture is very clear. What, what relationship has what? Righteousness and lawlessness. In other words, you are ordered, the other person is not ordered. You, you have a specific kind of guidance The other person doesn't have it So you cannot expect them to act in a specific way That you expect them Because they don't have what you have When you fear the Lord And you keep your body for them For a person who's not born again Who's a lawless to himself I was giving an example One of the weddings we attended 
the aunt, Rakadi, came and spoke. And when Rakadi spoke, he said to the daughter and the son-in-law, I want you to know this. He was talking in vernacular. I'll, I'll say it in vernacular. You get it? Then he said to the son-in-law, you are an ex. You get it? It's a wisdom that has failed. The aunt was telling us a testimony about her life by standing here saying to everybody else, In other words, she has been unfaithful. She has accepted it as a normal. We usually say when human culture fails, they adopt it as a culture. I'll give an example. I know of one church. The, the, the founding father of the church committed adultery. So when he committed adultery, he changed. He says, you can marry more than one wife. I don't know you get it. You get it? You can marry more than one wife. So what, what did he do? He jumped into a failed system. A failed system Culture, most of the time, comes from trial and error. People try to fix things they don't fix. And therefore, they adopt it to say, and it's true, we fail. Without God, man is nothing. But God has set the standard. Can you tell your neighbor, God has set the standard. Tell the neighbor, keep the standard. Then you are protected. Hallelujah. So it says here, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And what, what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ and Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? In other words, where says what agreement between the temple of God and idols? When you have problems, they say, oh, let's go and pray. Let's consult the pastor. The humanistic attitude is no. We can go to whosoever. Because scripture has a direction. But you'll say, oh, we have a problem. And things will be fine. We can go and drink tea and coffee and things will be fine. We can drink holy water and uh, you get it? And oil. It will be fine. If you don't follow the, the dictates of the scripture, that's why we use the Bible. The Bible says it's a double-edged sword. I know it's very nice when you are the one wielding the sword. But the sword cuts both sides. To the preacher, at the same time to the listener now it's your choice to bring yourself to be cut because all of us have got accesses we have got what? accesses so the word of God brings us back to order so when you choose your own life partner when, when you are in that process and you are using the wisdom of this world to look for your own security you will fail because crowns don't stay forever even kings get deposed. We were with young men in the car yesterday. We had a pastoral training. The young men come from Egypt. 
and uh, we're talking because we're in the rural in the villages so you know very close to where my father comes from so we're talking about it and 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 he asked a very powerful question and i was shocked that he thinks that way he says but you are a republic kings have kings have no place in a republic you get it kings have what no place so there are rules that governs everything that we do so even in the kingdom there are rules that governs the kingdom if you want to be part of the kingdom submit yourself to the ways of the kingdom then you will have a very pleasant and successful life reject the kingdom then the principle of the kingdom will as well work against you he says what 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 agreement has the temple of god with idols and what are the for you are the temple of the living god as god said i will dwell in them and walk among them i will be their god and they shall be my people hallelujah now you have to understand that the word yoke relates to marriage relationship or a covenant so when we say yoke even in business you cannot yoke yourself with a non-believer i know in a modern life people believe that you need to have more money that's not what i believe i believe you need to have resources to live and god will lead you and they will add no sorrow the bible says the blessing of the lord make it rich and he adds no sorrow i can tell you a story after story uh, of Christians who went into partnership and into business with people they went to university with because they believed they know each other. The end has always been disastrous. It has been pain, nightmare, hardship, and they lost quite a lot because one person that I guided were telling the person, don't get into business with this person. They were starting. But it says we've been friends forever. And I told him, you don't have the same spirit. You have been deceived. Eating KFC together when you are poor is different when the money comes in. Because your tastes are not the same. You are not directed and controlled by the same spirit. We are infused. We have the presence of God in our life. Even though there are things we desire to do, Paul says there are things to others, things are permissible to them. But to me, no. So you have to have that understanding. You can choose your friends. If you, if you need to relate with people who are not born again in order that they get saved. But you cannot take and allow the wisdom of unregenerated people to influence your life. So when it comes to a Christian partner and business, business, I'm just eating it as a, as a plus for you. Be very careful. May the Lord have mercy on us. So it's very clear that you cannot be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So sister, drop it. Can you tell your sister, say, sister, drop it. Can you say to the brother, brother, drop it. Hallelujah. But other people, they believe they are more wiser than God. So, and women, it's too late to advise a woman who's in love. Did you know? As a pastor, I've gone through this painfully and say, sister, what? You know, and the girl looks at you and says, you don't understand. You don't understand. He, he will be born again. He loves the Lord. He goes to church. That's the first question I ask every girl who comes. And I say, am we polluted it now? Oh, pastor. Uh, he goes to church. You will ask him yourself. 
<laughs> going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I'm not a beggar when I get into McDonald's. Even if you work in McDonald's, it will not make you a beggar. Is that fine? Is that fine? Is that fine? Okay, let's continue so that you don't uh, look at me like I know you brought your boyfriend to say pastor is teaching about marriage today so sister come so that you hear you know our church is nice hey, there's no nice for nothing Jesus is the ultimate judge hallelujah okay how, how do we do it when we get into marriage number one believe in God's purpose for you Marry for purpose. Can you show your neighbor? Marry for purpose. Have faith. Marriage is about faith. The book of Romans 1, verse 70 says, For in Romans 1, 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. This is the righteousness requirement for living. It is by faith. So when you get married, you'll be shocked. It's not about love. Because love fails. Human love has limitations. We love you for as long as our emotions and feelings are nice. When you don't agree with us, I hate you. I've had small children say to their parents, I hate you. I hate you. You know why? Because the mama said no. The father said no. You are not going to do that. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And then you change. You give him the sweetest. I say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Conditional love. Listen, if you don't marry by faith, you'll be disappointed. Marriage is by faith. I, don't, I married my wife having not slept with her. And I kissed her once. And it was a baby kiss. Like, no, no this thing that you are doing. Like you, you want to swallow. You want to swallow the person. Do you understand? Can you tell your neighbor it is by faith? Psalm 37 verse 5. It says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. You want to be married, bring it before the Lord. There is a message I was teaching on, was it Sunday? Uh, what day was it? Uh, it was in the cell. That we take long to pray. People take long to pray. People take long before they commit anything to God. You want to be married, but people will not pray about it. Listen, trust me. Take it upon yourself. Start to pray today. Lord, I'm praying. No, don't put the sister in the in the in the screen. Don't put the brother. Father, in the name of Jesus, as you helped Adam, Lord, help me. Set me apart. Lord, you brought Eve to Adam. Father. May you bring me to my Adam. It's faith. So it's not the appearance of the face. It's not the size of the body. It's not the size of the nose or the shoe they put on. One of my sons here in the church, uh, maybe he will laugh when he hears this. I was asking him, hey, what is it that you miss about your wife? The wife was pregnant, you know, just about to give. Uh, birth. And I said, what is it that you miss about your wife? You know what he said? Stilettos. Says, I miss my wife. <laughs> he orders the letters. I say, wow. 
listen, stilettos will soon go away. There is an age where stilettos is for show. Just put them on when you come out of the car. You walk about two to three minutes. Uh, not even three minutes. Three meters. One, two, three. Just to get in and sit down quickly. And already in the bag, you have alternative shoes. Immediately the meeting is finished, you change. Number two, commit your body totally to God. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. So what do you do? We learned this, I learned this many years past. As a brother, a sister, you must learn to pray for yourself. You must learn to be on fast consistently. Not the Wednesday fast for the church. Your own prayer and fasting. When you pray and fast and you are focused on the work of the ministry, you are saving in the church. I always say to the young people, if you have no one to copy, copy me. I've lived my, all my life I've lived in the church. I cut the grass in the church. I've washed the cars in the church. I've done all these things in the church. I had no other life. My spirituality, I don't owe it to my father nor to my mother. I owe it to the church. My pastor made me to be who I am. I followed, I loved to be in the church. My body was committed and therefore sexual desire, the company you keep helps to grow certain things in your body. When you have friends who are talking about men and you are a female, you are in trouble. If every talk evolves to men, if every talk evolves to girls, to women, then you are going to have very serious difficulty to contain your body. Number three, be prepared to die and allow God to resurrect you. Most people have never died. So they are still very alive. That's why we have to tell sisters, uh, cleavage, please hide it. Why? Because some have not died. I say to brothers, look once, don't look the second time. It's a natural flow of life. If you are passing, you meet somebody who's really outstanding, beautiful. Acknowledge it. Wow. Sister, you look good. And sometimes you don't even need to say it. Keep it in your heart. And don't look back. Move. Move on. Don't allow it to... Because the things that you look twice on, they get imprinted in your mind and in your heart. You struggle to take pornography, nudity, it's things that are printed in the mind. It's addiction. You know addiction. Drinking alcohol. You, you drink the first time you enjoyed it. You want to go and drink again. You are in trouble. Every second time thing you do, you are getting addicted to it. Anything that you have a desire, I'm going to do it. You went to a party, so every time you want to go to a party, there are people who are addicted to funerals. They are addicted without, I'm telling you the truth, without them knowing, they will they will not come to church if there is a funeral. And if it's possible, even funerals that are not their own, 
distant funerals. I'm going to a funeral. I'm going to a funeral. I'm going to a... It's an addiction. They like the presence of the environment they find themselves in. May the Lord have mercy. You must die to yourself. John 12, 24, it says, unless a, assuredly I, I tell you, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless you surrender your body to God, you will masturbate, you will self-stimulate, because that's all, you are living a natural life. You have not transcended, you have not surrendered, you have not given your life to God. I'm saying this because most of our young people struggle with this thing. With a cell phone being so easily available, you can imagine. Don't tell your neighbor, stop it. You know, in the church, we have self-righteousness. You know self-righteousness? Yeah, we look like heaven. But inside, we are struggling. I always say the greatest part is to acknowledge I'm struggling. Help me. Do what? Help me. You'll find help. Uh, number four, cultivate the right friends and right fellowship. The book of 1 John 1.17 says, If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the friends you keep have the great influence to what kind of a person. Most people marry in our church. Very, it's very rare I preach without talking about marriage. It's very rare. You know why? Because I want your marriage to work. I talk about it consistently. And that's why we have a high young people who get married. They solve a lot of problems for their life. If you follow the counsel, you'll do well. Number five, for, for everybody, realize the value of your life and the value of what you have. Second, uh, the uh, second chapter of the book of Ephesians chapter, ten, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them hallelujah right association in Christ will, will lead to right spouse did you hear what I said right association leads to a right spouse do not make yourself cheap. You are more valuable than you think. Therefore, set your value as God sees you because God sees you as a masterpiece. Number six, be prepared to wait. Can you tell your neighbor, sister, please wait. Yeah. Girls don't wait. A little bit of flesh. They are thinking, a little bit of flesh, if I give him sex, he will love me more. You have missed the point. Sex is available for free everywhere. I'm being honest with you. There is a queue of people who are willing just to say, yeah, take it. Oh, you think, I'm telling you the truth. You look righteous in the church. People are extremely sexually active. Here, I'm not talking other churches. I'm talking here. When, when, when you are having sex, we can see it. We don't have to be told. Yes. I've told few people. I said, you must stop it. No, I've, I've, I've said it. People get offended. I'm talking, one, as a spiritual leader. Number two, I'm talking as a concerned parent. What you take from yourself, you will discover it. 
After many years, you realize nothing works for you. You are always unhappy because you have opened the Pandora's box. You can't close it again. You wish. When you look at us, we are enjoying ourselves. We get home, we sleep like a baby. We snore. For you, you can't sleep. You, can't, you must every time get involved in sin. Self-stimulation and all of these things. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Be prepared to wait. Can you show anybody? Be prepared to wait. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12, it says, That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Some of us have lived a Christian life, copy our life. Don't take the wisdom of the well. That doesn't work. Yes. I tell people many times, the influence that the church has on your life is greater than the influence of your parents. Ever since you became a Christian, born again, the effect of the transformation process in your life has been so intense because God loves you. But then when it comes to major decisions, you choose to take a carnal way. Yes. You were transformed spiritually and you are making carnal decisions. You will pay. You will pay. Number seven. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Cultivate sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. This is a, this one, if you have it, I tell you, you will not be stimulated by a fancy, handsome face, by a pretty face. We don't marry the face. We marry the spirit of a person. You can ask your father and your mother. They had a lot of options. If you look at your mother, you might think, oh, she's not the most prettiest girl. You don't know. She's the most prettiest, good spirit, great personality. We live with the person. We don't live with beauty. We live with the person. Imagine somebody. Hallelujah. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? Are the sons of God. When, when you are choosing this partner, this guy who's very exciting, we tell you as your parents, don't do it. This your heart is deceiving you you are deceived you are what? you are deceived you are deceived you are deceived this is what I say to girls you have feelings but use your head tick the boxes brother tick the boxes yes tick the boxes you are marrying a Christian there are personal questions you need to ask when you marry a person. Personal, very personal. I've said to people, if people do not respect, don't think they will respect after they are married. If people don't honor God, don't think they will honor, who are you to change them? There's no person who can change another person. Oh, I will change him. Wow. You are more powerful than the word of God. Hmm. when you talk about marriage the sacrifice upon which the covenant of Christian marriage is based on the death of Jesus Christ 
on our behalf. Jesus is the sacrifice which by faith a man and a woman can pass into the relationship of marriage as God himself ordained it to be. The covenant of Christian marriage is made at the foot of the cross. In other words, what we are saying is that brother, sister, they must be sacrificed. They must be dying. I watch, when you discuss the process to marriage, the ceremony is not marriage. The wedding. Can you tell you, the girl sitting next to you, the sister sitting next to you, wedding is not marriage. Part of the difficulty we have is to see people behaving like wedding is a marriage. I always say to people, oh, do this, don't do that, do this. Somebody said we were instructing and uh, very demanding. I said, wow. You are interesting. Life is about instruction. Yes. The Bible says God chastises those he loves. So I'll tell you, some people have told them, they came both, both brother and sister, I told them, this boy is not committed. This one is not serious. If I was you, I would run very far. They say I was kissing them. I said, listen, the guy has been a Christian for many years. He has no fruit. I don't know if you get it. He has lived a double life. He has not kept himself holy. It's not a hidden secret. It's, a, it's an open secret. Every year you must be canceling him. Hey, sleeping around is not a good thing. So should I keep quiet and not tell you that this guy is sleeping around? What do you think? Will I be a good pastor? No, I'll be a bad pastor. So I tell you, no, this guy has not committed. Then they get married and then the person says, oh no, he was kissing us. I was being a parent to you. I was helping you deal with the issue. Not that I, I, I'm saying the guy needs to grow up. There are things you can't change in a person. Okay, three things about uh, life in marriage. Number one, your life must be laid down. You have no rights. Each lays down his life for the other. The husband looks at, at Christ's death on the cross and says that death, that death on the cross was my death. And uh, at the cross I died. Now I no longer live for myself, but I live for Christ. The wife does the, exactly the same. All of us must be dead to ourselves. I was, we were in the car yesterday with the, the two gentlemen, our two brothers in the church. And we were talking, my wife was there after the morning prayer. And uh, my wife said, the easiest thing that has happened is to be flexible. She says, I have no commitment. If my, my husband says, let's go, all my plans stops. I have no plans. We go. We flow. If we arrive at the place and we feel we are sleeping, 
We don't look for toothbrush. We sleep. In the morning, there are shops. In the morning, there are what? Shops. Yes, we go and buy toothbrush. If they don't have If it's a hotel, most hotels have it. Can you tell your neighbor, lay down your life? Most people are not dead. Number two. When you have laid down your life, out of it comes new life. The Bible says the two shall become one flesh. They now live for one another. The husband says to the wife, my life is in you. You are the expression of who I am. So I surrender and give myself. Number three, the covenant is consummated through the union. This is in turn continues. The new life continues. Each other, they look at each other. They are both willing to share themselves with one another. Without the covenant of marriage and this union, they cannot bear much fruit. We have had people who say they want a child, but they are not sleeping together. Is it possible? It's not. Oh, pray for us. All couples who need to have children, come. Let's pray. We pray. Yeah, every year you realize you are praying for the same people. Call them. What's going on? Let's talk about it. The first question we ask, how frequent do you do it? It's the first question. I ask every couple, how frequent do we do it? Because it's a, it's a barometer for a healthy relationship. It tells us if you have union, if you are together, we don't remember. Really. It's a problem. How will we have children? Do we have a child by touching the sister by hand? It's not possible. It's not what? It's not possible. I'm talking to the merit, not to the merit. Now, lastly, marriage is not what you can get out of it. Like most people are thinking, they choose partners for what they can get out of it. They say, oh, he looks very handsome. He's got money. He's got a promise. He's educated. I can show you most educated people who are unproductive. Not making it in life. Because it's not money that makes life. It's the, it's the attitude and the spirit people carry. I've seen people who are both highly educated but both stingy. They are fighting every two minutes. They are fighting. Fighting for assets and things. This is my money. This is my thing. Then you have, you have not married. Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, marriage is not what you can get but what you can give. Because when you marry, you give your life. Amen? Number one, Commitment to Christ will make the covenant of marriage possible. I always say, the day when you got married, you loved Jesus, you were committed in the house of God. It's very funny that after people are married, they don't want to commit anymore. And this is the main reason that makes us. We commit to Christ. Commitment to Christ will make the covenant of marriage possible. Number two, commitment to each other. Commitment that will release grace. You know what is grace? 
is having showing mercy to one another. You have heard me say, the girl you are marrying can't cook. I said, this girl you are marrying, she can't cook. If you ask, what can you cook? Eggs. Eggs is not cooking. What starch can you cook? Rice. Nothing complex. Now, when you get married, you are committed to each other, then there is that word grace, which out of it you will have mercy. You go and buy the book, you sit with your wife, you start teaching her how to bake, how to cook, patiently, until she enjoys cooking. Say, oh, I'm a professional woman. That's not true. Every woman must be able to cook. I can cook myself. I can bake. I can cook. Every girl can do it. I might not be a professional, but I mean, you'll eat my food. I'm, you get the idea. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking this hotel. No. The basic, basic survival foods. Does it make sense? Can you ask the girl next to you, can you cook? <laughs> they can't. They can't cook. <laughs> they can't cook. They can't cook. They can't cook. It's a challenge. Commitment to one another, extending grace. Number two, number three. The motive in marriage should be always to give, not to get. When we get into the marriage uh, conference, we will get into detail with the couples and we'll get into detail uh, with the singles and so forth. But uh, the motive should be to give, not to get. Marriage is not what I can get but what I can give. The evidence of a successful husband is his wife and the evidence of a successful wife is the husband. It's not the size of the house. It's not the size of the car. You have missed it. Yes. It's not the car we drive. It's not the house we have. It's one another. If we are together in a shanty, we are doing well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, this is my, my part that I will say to you. You cannot be happy. You cannot be made happy by your husband. And you cannot be made happy by your wife. They might add to your joy, but you yourself must be a joyous person. That's why the issue of devotion, if you have a fellowship with Christ, you will be a content and a happy person. But when you don't have a relationship with Christ, your relationship depends on the external. Joy comes from within. Happiness comes from external. We go to the party. Oh, we are happy. There's some music. We dance. There are a lot of people who are happy. They look happy, but they don't have joy. They don't have what? Joy. And therefore, after they finish, when you think, oh, everybody's happy, when they go home, they are full of violence. Every party leads to a fight. Every meeting leads to a fight because they themselves are not happy. So number one, before you say even, I'm looking for a spouse, I'm looking for a husband, I'm in a marriage, make the decision. I must find the joy within me. I must have my fellowship with God 
And if I have fellowship with God, I'll have a very good fellowship with others. You remember the five confessions that we make? Redemption, forgiveness, cleansing, justification, sanctification. We just read the verse, 1 John chapter 1. Because I've been redeemed, I fellowship with other Christians. It's not the choice I have. You can't be in church and not be happy because somebody is happy. You know there are people who are not happy because somebody is happy. You must find the joy within your own heart to make peace with yourself. And therefore, it leads us to the issue of salvation. Maybe you are born again mentally. You have not received Jesus with your heart. You have not become vulnerable to the cross and surrendered to your life. John chapter 3 verse 3. Uh, Jesus is speaking here and he answered Nicodemus. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Joy is the part of the kingdom of God. You can't have it unless you have Jesus. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is conditional on the external things that influence your life. You have money, you are happy. You don't have money, you are sad. We talk to you, you are happy. We don't talk to you, you are sad. When you have joy in you, your wealth is in Christ and therefore what the external does doesn't change the person that you are. Let's close. We are always almost there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, this morning. We are grateful for the teaching and your word. I pray for each and every man, woman, and child in this place that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. I pray, Father, that, Lord, may you help us, that, Father, we may make sense of our life, that, Lord, we may be truly Christians, not in our mind, but in our hearts. May our spirit, may we be fully convinced that we love you, that the external part, the feelings, the emotions we have, will not change the condition and the truth of your word with our life. I pray even today for the relationship of those who have relationships today, that Lord, may you turn their hearts towards you in the name of Jesus. Can we give a powerful clap offering to the Lord? While, while you are seated, I want us to take this prayer, a, a, a prayer of repentance and healing. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I want us to come before the Lord. Jesus, when he talks about fornication and adultery, is not only the physical act, but it's as well the attitude in which we carry ourselves. He was saying to them, in the days past, it was about the physical parts. If a man is caught or a man does the act, but Jesus is saying to us, the thought of it in your mind is as good as you having committed it. Praise the Lord. So I want us to come before the Lord as we pray for ourselves for purity. Lord, may I have purity when I look at others, when I'm looking for a spouse. May I have purity. Restore my eyes for those who are married. Restore my eyes that I may be happy and content with what I have. Hallelujah. Can we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning as we repent of our own sin. Father, the false desire 
the father the longing eye we break its hold and its strength upon our life and father we pray that you may heal us that you may restore our eyesight that lord we may not look with lasting and longing eyes but father that lord we may be cured and healed I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for your voices, the bad and defiled. Father, I pray for the purity of our singing. I pray for the purity of us who are married. Father, I pray that, Lord, may we be wholesome and, Father, be kept pure. For, Lord, your voices, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Father, we pray, cleanse us. We plead the blood of Jesus upon our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.